What's up, guys? I'm your host, EJ Stewart. Thank you all for checking out this edition of New Generation Sports Talk, both on Podcast Network and on YouTube. I'm joined by Kendall Stewart for today. Kendall, we got a lot to talk about when it comes to the NBA offseason, a lot of big-time moves in free agency and trades. We also had the NBA draft happen uh, just this past week, so a lot of movement. Summer League games are underway as well. Las Vegas Summer League coming up. Uh, uh, very quickly, so it just seems like a lot is happening. And there's so much to get to, so I wanted to make sure both our YouTube subscribers and the podcast listeners got a podcast from us uh, uh, checking, talking about all the stuff that's gone down. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, glad to be here. Obviously, we had a fun NBA draft, so I'm excited to talk about some of the uh, excited to preview the summer league a little bit. But um, I would be, uh, I would, I don't want to neglect. Uh, to mention uh, a college basketball story that may be brewing uh, in the horizon. I know EJ knows what I'm talking about. Uh, but speaking of free agency, uh, my guy Penny Hardaway and the Memphis Tigers are uh, seem to be, we don't know, by the time you were listening to this, maybe we do know on one guy, but uh, seem to be uh, lining up the idea of, of landing Imani Bates and Jalen Duran. Uh, the top two high school basketball players in the class of 2022 uh, who plan on reclassifying to the class of 21. Um, so that will wind up being one of the bigger stories in, in, in basketball if that were to happen uh, next season. So, again, didn't want to wouldn't want to forget <laughs> to mention that uh, <laughs> for our people, our uncommitted uh, podcast listeners. Uh, so, yeah, no doubt. But from the NBA perspective, so many so much stuff. So little time to get to it all, but uh, excited to talk about it all because it's been a busy, it's been a busy week, week and a half. Yeah, when it comes to Imani Bates, who's one of the most high, highly touted, highly hyped high school basketball players, we talked about him plenty, not just on the podcast, but on the YouTube channel, especially on our podcast, of course, the Uncommitted Podcast. Um, him reclassifying and teaming up with Duran, who those guys are essentially one and two in their class, would be uh, epic. A deal of epic proportions, and if if indeed happens at Memphis, which is again the tea leaves are suggesting the stars may be aligning for the Tigers. Man, what a what a story that will be, um, and I'm sure we'll be talking plenty about that on the next episode of the Uncommitted. But I do want to focus on the NBA offseason, and again, Kendall, a lot of a lot of shakeups have happened, and it starts in Los Angeles. You knew an off an off season that came off of um, a failed kind of repeat championship run, a first round exit. That was marred by uh, injuries and, and, and fatigue with the Los Angeles Lakers. You knew bold moves were coming. We didn't know what exactly, how that would take shape, but now we do. Russell Westbrook, just previously, obviously, with the Washington Wizards, traded to the Los Angeles Lakers after requesting a trade. He goes to Los Angeles, Kuzma, uh, uh, Harrell, and, um, and, uh, and KCP all going to the Wizards. Then you had the uh, Mellow deal. Then you had the Kendrick Nunn deal. You had Ariza going there. You had Bazemore, Wayne Ellington. Um, uh, the Lakers now have the oldest roster in NBA history, which when I heard that stat, I literally could could not believe it. But, I mean, they have a lot of older players, obviously. And it, it's kind of become a little bit of a of – a, I think it's actually been – I know Kendall's a Celtic fan. He probably doesn't love it. I've had fun actually hearing this back and forth in discourse about – is it Malik old? Monk? Another name. <laughs> and Malik Monk, of course, he's not an old player. Um, he's a younger player, and along with none, obviously. Yeah. Um, who came off a really good year, year in Charlotte? I love this kind of debate of is it 
old age? Are they our old team? Or are they experienced? And will that help them? That seems to be the question everybody's having. Is is, is this a team that really can uh, go to the distance and win a championship again? Or is it just too much age? And I'm posing so, that question to you. How do you look at this Laker team coming into the season? They have these big names and these stars. Uh, but but are they just past their prime, too past their prime to really make a serious championship run? You know, when you were reading off the names and, you know, I heard Ariza, I heard Bazemore, um, you know, I, I heard Melo. I mean, the first instinct was, you know, how much how much help do you need, LeBron? Uh, Ellington. I'm like, I'm just hoping LeBron need him. I, mean, yeah, I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think this is a Wade and Boss situation happening this all season. That's the same. No, shout out to Carmelo Anthony, of course, future Hall of Famer, not who he once was. I, I've uh, <laughs> maybe I spent too much time on basketball Twitter, man. With uh, the Durant Lebron discourse has been, been uh, quite bad. But um, when it comes to this Lakers team, I feel like it's an experiment that. I mean, look, it, it, the super team experiment has had mixed results in NBA history, at least in recent, since the Miami Heat. I mean, Miami Heat, really the Celtics were the first one in terms of, you know, having these three stars and then a lot of the team. There were a lot of the rest of the team being a bunch of older guys or really young players that are impro- unproven. Mm-hmm. And then the Miami Heat tried that, and we've seen team after team, the older teams where it worked, but, you know, we've seen, you know, the Lakers with Dwight. You know, and Powell and Kobe, like that, that didn't work with, you know, Steve Nash and Metal World Peace. So, yeah. like, you know, the Nets last year, I mean, it, we know that they were the most talented team in the league, but I can't really say it worked because they, they lost in the, the second round of the NBA playoffs. So, uh, it goes, there's mixed results, uh, when you talk about building a team this way. But when I mentioned the Brooklyn Nets, I feel like that was the, at the forefront of the Lakers management's minds when it comes when it came to uh you know building this roster. So you don't um, think they were really even concerned about the Western Conference, whether it be the Suns or the Nuggets no. or any of the other teams. You think this is purely about the Brooklyn Hydra, the the, the three headed monster that's on that Eastern Conference because the way they their built inability their team, to get to the finals because of the injuries. The way this team is built, mm-hmm. like I mean look, they could beat Utah, you know, they, they could, I mean, they're certainly, they, you know, they may end up being the favorites in the Western Conference, but they're not, they don't, they don't, they didn't, I don't feel like they didn't bring in pieces that are designed to beat Devin Booker and DeAndre Eight. I didn't feel that, you know, bringing a Dwight Howard back is another guy that, right, you know, yeah. that they brought in. Like, you know, I feel like they didn't bring in pieces necessarily. Like, when you bring in all these names, you know, and they're a guy that they didn't end up getting that they were talking about, like DeMar DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan yeah. Victor Oladipo was being yeah. talked about. Like when you bring in all when you try and bring in all, all these names that to me screams, we've got to beat that team at the top. And, yeah, you know, I, no disrespect to the Milwaukee Bucks, they'll be they'll, they'll certainly be in the picture as well. They're the defending champs. But the Brooklyn Nets are the team that certainly, I think, scares the Lakers the most, because if you can't beat the Phoenix Suns, I don't know if they feel like they had the firepower to beat the Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. They still may not, but now it's a conversation. When you talk about having Russell Westbrook, who can certainly help LeBron, you know, in the postseason, it's going to be an awkward fit, but during the regular season, from a load management perspective, it's going to help LeBron and AD tremendously because he's a guy we know. Westbrook can certainly carry a load. Um, ask Bradley Beal. So uh, Westbrook's going to help. You know, having a guy like Melo, who should help them in the postseason with his, his clutch ability and his shot-making ability, um, and his ability to space the floor for 
guys like LeBron and AD and Russ. Um, and you bring in guys with high upsides like Monk and Nunn. Yeah. You know, again, these, these moves, and then again, you have the the guys with an, another name in Dwight Howard. Like, it, it's, a hodge, it's a hodgepodge that doesn't make a whole lot of basketball sense. But, you know, a lot of the Brooklyn Nets last year didn't make a ton of basketball sense. They just had another team that had a lot of names, mm-hmm. and they tried to put it together, and they had a lot of injuries. But, um, you know, that's 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 where that's that's the deal with this Laker team. I can't, I know some people have really hot takes about this team's going to stink or this team's going to win it all and get, you know hop on the bandwagon it right. I don't I can't give you one of those takes I'll be honest it's, you really have to really have to just evaluate it you as know it happens. as it happens you yeah. know there's there's a combination that I mean again it doesn't look great on paper but the names are or you can't some some are legendary yeah exactly we have multiple yeah five at least five hall of famers on this yeah. team you yeah. know like that's something you can't <laughs> something you can't overlook yeah, I mean that's the that's the thing about this Laker experiment, and I think you use the right word experiment because, like, I agree. I, like, you know, I found like it's funny we we're in this kind of hot take business, and everybody has to say they're either going to be great or terrible. And sometimes I think it kind of takes away from the fan experience, just like watching, sitting back and watching, seeing what this is going to be. And that's kind of how I've taken this Laker thing. I'm not into like, oh, I definitely think they're going to be great, or they're definitely going to be terrible. I mean, I really have no idea. Like, I've never, I've never really seen a team built like this. You know, like, yeah. So many. I guess the last team that was close was probably the, like, the nineteen ninety eight Houston Rockets. You know, yeah. or, or ninety nine Rockets rather. You know, when they added Scottie Pippen, and they already had yeah. Barkley yeah, Bar- and Elijah yeah. and Drexler. You know, yeah. that team didn't have an Anthony Davis who was, like, clearly in his prime. Or even a LeBron James, who even in his advanced age <laughs> the top is still five player in the league, yeah. easily a top-five player, maybe top two. Like, he's that good yeah. still. So, like, so th- there's a difference there, but that's, like, the, the closest thing to this. And obviously that didn't go that great. Um, but but I, I think even this is different because there's more, more names, more star players who are at least the guys who were stars in their past. And and I, I think it's gonna be a fun experiment. I do have some concerns about do they have enough shooting? I know they they added Wayne Ellington. He's always been hit and hit or miss for me. He, he's never really excited me, and he's even at an advancing now. I think he's almost thirty. I think he's thirty three years old. Uh, Billy Monk, but I think was the the move that I thought okay, you know, if he comes in with confidence and 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 continue to play, you know, he's in a lot brighter stage now. You know, playing for the Lakers as opposed to playing for last season's Hornets. But this guy did go to University of Kentucky, so I, I don't think he's scared of big games or things like that. And he's never been scared of, scared of big shots. So, so yeah, if, exactly. So if a monk and a nun, I think it's re- to be honest, I think this a lot of this will really depend on the younger guys they signed. I think if Monk and Nunn are ready for the moment, Horton Tucker, Horton Tucker, of course, is going to get a lot more time now. He just got resigned. If if those guys are ready for this moment, because they're going to be relied on more, much more heavily than maybe they've ever been in terms of like, well, I don't want to say none because he was on Tino Winter Championship, but for the other two guys, like if those guys are ready for this moment, the Lakers may be able to pull this off because they're the Speaking missing pieces. None. Like like to me, they're the Danny Green and KCPs, and uh, in some ways Kuzma's though that's a different position. Like they're those guys. You no, know, those guys Caruso. Caruso. Those guys rose up to the rose up to the occasion. And 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 fat filled the missing pieces that the Lakers didn't have when it came to either shooting or defense or hustle or things like that. These other guys, these young guys that they signed and and then re-signing with Horton Tucker, like if, if those guys are ready for that, then you know 
we know what AD and LeBron. Like are it's about. not big four. It's not right. It's not. You know, I don't even really think it's it, mellow. Like those guys may win you big games because they're clutch players or veteran players. I'm, but I'm talking about you guys survive the whole season. And to do that, you're gonna need your young guys who are gonna yeah. be more healthy, who are gonna have more energy to 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 push these guys and keep them kind of moving until we get to the postseason when the LeBrons and Mellows and those guys can kind of turn it up I'm a notch. Excited. As opposed to what we saw last year where LeBron was on a hundred from day one because, you know, so many other guys were injured or not ready, and then we saw him break down. So the, if those guys are- come up, I think that you'll see the Lakers be a, a team that will be one of the top teams in the West. If those guys are not ready for that moment, which I, I just think is a coin flip, I, I, I couldn't tell you uh, yeah. what will happen. If those guys are not ready for the moment, I think this Laker team can be might not get out of the West. I think that's very possible. But I'm, as a basketball fan, I just want to see it. I just think this is oh no, this the, is be the wackiest good. one of the wackiest yeah. things I've seen. Uh, maybe since I guess the Rockets decided not to have a center. Um, but, you know that was probably the second most wackiest thing I've seen. But to then, just uh, throw the all these the same GM who. Uh, didn't want to center and now signed Andre Drummond to play oh with Joel God. Embiid, which is another move we'll probably get yeah. to. But uh, I, I just want to say that that yeah. Monk signing was excellent, man. Like I, yeah, that I was. Love, I think that was the best move out of all these moves. It's I, 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 mean, I, I think Russ was the best move, but but that was the second best move. I would right. say. It's certainly um, high risk, but I mean, from a from an upside standpoint, I mean, you know, EJ knows. I mean, my love for Malik Monk coming into that draft. Was super high. I mean, as a prospect, he, you know, I thought he had he had a higher ceiling than he showed. Um, but I feel like a lot of what went wrong in Charlotte, some of that was not pertaining to Monk's game as much as some of the other stuff around him. And you know, being in L.A., you know, I mean, look, L.A. isn't exactly, you know, it's not Idaho, you know, so uh, you know, he's definitely gonna have to lock in. But just in terms of being being with LeBron and being with AD and that Russell Westbrook and Melo. I mean, he's got great guys around him now. You know, yeah. he's not playing with, uh, you know, no disrespect to anybody in Charlotte. I won't name yeah. any names, but he's not playing with the guys in Charlotte. You know, right. Right. so it's a different yeah. environment. So, um, so yeah, uh, I think we could be seeing the best version of Malik Monk that we've seen. And if that's the case, man, then that's the guy who may wind up in the starting lineup. And I and and real quickly, last thing on this, I, and I said it before, you know, the Russ move is controversial. But I understand it. Like, I feel like I can't be mad at it. Like, to me, he's clearly better than Dennis Schroeder. And I don't see these massive... Is the fit a little weird? 100%. But the fit was weird with Schroeder. So, (laughs) to me, it's like, okay, but you got a better player, even though this fit is still weird. Maybe the better player will, at the end of the day, make it work a little more. So, and I don't... You're not going to miss any... The only guy they'll miss, I think, that they traded was KCP. And I know that may be a punchline for some people... But, like, I mean, that guy hit big shots and played really big-time yeah. defense in big moments. Yeah. I don't think you're going to miss the other guys. Harold, they, they, didn't, they didn't want to play. Um, Kuzma's, a, I think, a good player who's getting a little maligned. I, he's not the bum that people are saying he is. But he's not Russell Westbrook. You know what I'm saying? He, I mean, there are guys who are – he's clearly – I'm not he's the not, biggest Russell Westbrook. He's not Jason Tatum. Right. I'm not the biggest Russell Westbrook stand even. But, I mean, come on. Like, he's clearly not that. So – uh, and I think to me, when you sign Melo, that lessens that Kuzma blow. I think Melo could produce whatever Kuzma will give you. Kuzma's younger, yeah. but the, if the Kuzma's not part of your future, that, that doesn't matter. They have weird, they have weird guys that like approximate what KCP did in terms of the shooting or in terms of the defense, but neither none not of the guys they got. One. You know? Yeah, like Ariza so, can give you some of the defense. You know, right. Monk can give you some of the shooting, 
Yeah. Uh, you know, Ellington can give you the shooting. Bazemore can give you something shooting too. None of them give them. None of them give you the athleticism. It's just yeah. It's just very weird. It's a weird. It's a the word you use is a weird mishmash of guys, and I can't wait to see how they figure it out. But one of the other teams people are talking about uh, this off season as well is the New York Knicks. Of course, my New York Knicks. Pretty busy off season. We didn't know what to expect. We know the big Knicks have been rumored to be big game hunting. Pretty much seems like forever, but definitely since uh, Leon Rose became the president, we didn't see those mega names get really attached to the Knicks over these first all this first week of free agency and with a lot of these trades happening. The first week of the official off season, we didn't see any players like Little or any of those guys become available. Um, and we didn't see any free agents like Kawhi Leonard really take the Knicks seriously. He was. I mean, really I was only... hearing Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> I wouldn't count Dennis Schroeder as the as the next uh, the next big fish to to finally land in New York. But like, we didn't see those big superstars that maybe we were. I don't want to say expecting because I was not expecting it. And I think I know a lot of Knicks fans were not expecting it. But you know, the Knicks, the narrative is a narrative, so people make up things. But the names that were talked about, we didn't see, or any or any big names. That we've talked about, we didn't see, but the Knicks did make some some pretty big moves. So of course they 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 made the decision to re-sign pretty much all those guys that they signed to kind of one year deals last year, Size or or, yeah. or or acquired you know through trade on a one year deal like a Derrick Rose, Rose, Burks, um, Noel, all those guys signed Gibson. essentially Gibson as well. Gibson signed a one year deal. All those other guys signed two plus one deals essentially around the range of ten to twelve million dollars per year. Um, and then you had then the big signing being Evan Fournier, former Boston Celtics. So, you know, him pretty well, uh, he signs for a three plus one deal. Um, I think the deal totaling around, uh, for four years, about like 70 or 80 million, I think 80 million, I think it's the number, um, you know, obviously it was three, it's more like 58 million overall in total. And then I think the, the one that really surprised people was Kemba Walker being bought out by OKC now signing with the Knicks to become their new point guard. We presume their starting point the book guard. Down Bronx. Shout out to the, the Rice High School. Shout out to the CHSAA. Shout out, of course, to the Bronx. Um, as I said on my Twitter account, it felt like holding the versus battle between the locks and uh, Dipset was like acquiring, and in the garden, uh, was like acquiring the uh, Infinity Stones of New York City. And our reward was Kemba Walker becomes the New York Knicks starting point guard. And, you know, look, I- I've seen a lot of also differing takes with how the Knicks, what the Knicks did this offseason. I'm going to defend this front office a little bit. Because um, okay. I've seen some people say, you know, well, this was not what they expected. And also, they also, by the way, Julius I was just going to say, yeah. by the way, they just re-signed Julius Randle, four-year, $117 million contract extension. I've seen a lot of people say, look, the Knicks obviously improved, but this is not what – we were told was going to happen with the Knicks once they got good. Once they got good, we were expecting to see these big-name guys. Now the Knicks are, quote-unquote, mortgaging the future by resigning, you know, these guys to not one-year deals, but two-year deals, which, again, I don't see what the big deal is, but, you know, two-plus-one deals. Then you sign 48 to a three-plus-one deal. Randall gets a four-year extension instead of uh, just running it back with guys with one-year deals and having a max slot available for free agency, you know, for the time being or forever, it seems like these people want. I don't understand why this is becoming difficult for people to understand what the Knicks have determined. It's very clear to me. Knicks have determined their only way right now to a free a superstar player who becomes available. And I think me and you have talked about it a, b- a bunch on air. 
an off air rather, is they realize that that's through a trade. Just the way the the the, the players that they like and the way the market is going, especially nowadays, guys are less likely to like go to free agency and risk, you know, anything happening to them. They they prefer to just take the max deal and then try to trade get a trade afterwards. The Knicks have understood that, and in order to do that, you need to have decent players on your books that are movable contracts. Otherwise, what will happen is you'll have to then trade all your assets. And you won't have any guys on your team. And essentially, you become like, I don't want to say the Miami Heat because they had three great players, but you become basically Miami Heat if they only had Dwayne Wade or LeBron right. time with them. You know? <laughs> or the it's, Knicks it's, in 2011. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, one good player and then your rest of your team is so just not up to snuff. I, I could be much more harsh, but just not ready for prime time. And you're not now you're still not a championship contender. Like now Damian Lillard goes from, you know, that's the name you're talking about, goes from playing in Portland where he has not enough help to going to the Knicks where he won't have enough help. He'll just be in a bigger market. And the Knicks fans and the Knicks organization, we're not concerned about just having a star to have a star. The whole purpose is to try to build a championship caliber team. In order to do that again, they don't want to be in a position like they were when they traded for Melo, where in order to do that, they had to just get rid of anybody that was good except for Amari Sotomayor, and then bring back Jared Smith, who was decent, but who they resigned rather. He wasn't even in the trade. But then bring back Melo, and now you're starting, you know, you're, now you're, you're playing Anthony Carter a lot of minutes. You know, you're playing guys who you don't yeah, yeah. want to <laughs> see getting. Carter. He was getting real time for the Knicks. Oh, you know, you're, you know, you're, signing, you're signing Baron Davis. Like, you're, you're doing things that, you know, you're nowhere close to winning a championship just because you have Carmelo Anthony. This organization has learned that. So what they've decided is we need to have a good crop of players on the roster. So when we have to move the young guys or even if some of these guys get put in one of these deals, we'll have some guys on the roster and we can move forward. It's so clear. My question it's is obvious. And it makes sense. And the moves yeah. that they made, so, they'll get the, the gambles that they made on Kemba, who even with his knee issues still put up pretty good numbers. It's just light years better than what we had from El so Payton. I don't see is, where the where the where the beef is. So so my question is, I feel like you attacked the the narrative that the Knicks offseason is a failure because they didn't get the star player. Um and why it, that's not a failure given the way they're trying to go about what they're doing. My question to you is for this Knicks team as presently constituted, mm-hmm. how do you feel about I mean, you just mentioned the Kemba Walker thing, but, but how do you feel about adding Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier? So do you think that, that are actually moves that make the Knicks a better team? Of course, and that's and that's the second problem why I don't I really don't understand this criticism. I'm not here to say the Knicks had an A plus offseason or they hit a grand slam, but to me, the Knicks are clearly a much better team than they were last season. Ken, Ken, uh, Kemba Walker is is just he's a way better player than Alfred Payton. He helps them in so many different ways. The Knicks needed a guy who could shot create, a guy who can uh, who can get into the paint. Kemba Walker can still do both of those things, maybe on a diminished level, but he, again, just a, a massive upgrade. They also needed guys who can shoot wings, especially wings particular wings who can shoot and wings who can create. Evan Fournier shot like forty five percent from three, I think, with the Celtics last season. In that in that short oh, yeah. time. You know, he may his offense may have diminished in some degree. It wasn't his shooting. His shooting was still right. super high. Um, but to me, it was just his 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 um 
the volume was just lower. And I think a lot yeah, of that was the COVID stuff. He yeah, different role. Right. Yeah. yeah, so so to me, he was still a very good player. He just he just wasn't putting up the volume of shots and the and the activity he was putting in Orlando. But he's a he's a he's just as good, if not a better shooter than Reggie Bullock. Um and he's a way better shot creator. Also, Knicks needed shot creation on the wing. So you added two guys who improved two weaknesses on your squad, and then you re-signed got other guys who were very <laughs> useful for your team. Noel was top five in blocks. Um, Burks had some major moments coming off the bench. We know what Derrick Rose was a, a finalist for sixth man of the year. I mean, the Knicks are clearly a much better team. I think the only reason why people maybe are down, well, there are a lot of people are down. But I think one of the things that make people kind of question whether or not they're still a lot to be a playoff team, not a team that's maybe in the playing situation or fighting to get to the playoffs, is because the perception is the Bulls took like a took a bigger leap than the Knicks did. And I think we'll argue if that's a fair perception. But no, a team like the Bulls took a, lar- a large leap than, than the Knicks did. Um, you know, we, we we see even though the Knicks and Hawks had the same record that you know the, the Hawks were clearly a much better team than the Knicks. So we see that number four ranking in the East and we're like, okay, how real is that? And how could they, how, is it possible they could easily slip out of that very fast? But again, isn't your plan just to improve the team as much as you can? And the Knicks to me with the options that they were given, I don't know how much really more you could have asked for. Um, so look, you know, I, I think I'm an actually an interesting person to talk to about this because I'm not a Knicks fan, but I'm a Celtics fan. So, and you watched these two guys who were on the Celtics. Yeah, man the last season um, so so yeah exactly so i mean on evan fournier i feel like from the nick perspective i think it's a good move i mean i can't i can't be mad about you can't be mad about um bringing in a guy who uh improves the talent level uh, of your team immediately i mean that's why the celtics gave up we gave up two second round picks to get him and you know some people are upset about losing the picks to me it was it was the right gamble i mean bringing mm-hmm. a guy was an 18 19 point scorer for for peanuts uh you can't expect Jalen brown to get hurt and you know yeah. <laughs> whatever else happened in that net series and having to be having to face the brooklyn nets in the first round there's a lot of things <laughs> yeah. so um but you know there's no doubt that evan fournier definitely helped us and you know of course you wanted to get him back but i feel like with both guys with both kemba and evan fournier i feel like their role in boston was not what they what they do best which honestly is put the ball in the basket and you know mm-hmm play with the ball in their hands, that opportunity was not as presented in Boston playing with Tatum and Brown as it will be with the Knicks. Right. Um, you know, I think Fournier in Orlando, you know, there was a lot of, you know, space at the wing spot, you know, for him to, you know, handle the ball and, you know, be kind of an initiator at times and a guy who can, you know, similar kind of to – similar to what we saw with Gordon Hayward going from Boston – to Charlotte, you know, some people wondered did he did he just get healthy? What how did he get so much better? I think right. some of it was the role. He's more it was more similar to what he did in Utah. And I feel like what Fournier is gonna do with the, with the Knicks is gonna be more similar to what he's used to in Orlando. Kemba, I think it's similar in the sense that what we needed from Kemba or what Kemba provides is not what the Celtics need. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Celtics didn't need a guy of course you always take a point guard that can average twenty points, you know, a game. Um, but we didn't need an Isaiah Thomas. You know, we, we, we had Tatum and Brown. When Isaiah Thomas was thriving in Boston, it was playing on a team that needed his scoring. You know, right. like we, Tatum and Brown, 
either Tatum wasn't there and Bron wasn't the player he is now. And so, you know, they needed his offensive punch. Whereas like, like Kemba, the Celtics needed more of like a prime Rondo type of guy right. rather than a Drew Holiday. Uh, uh, right, exactly. You know, that kind of guy to support Tatum and Brown. Um, you know, so far, I mean, we've talked about adding Dennis Schroeder, so I don't, I don't know what that means. But, uh, I mean, I guess he is kind of like Rondo, but it's like a, you know, a food stamp Rondo. But um, the problem with Kemba is, I, man, you know, I mean, again, look, I'm a Celtics fan. I mean, EJ, you know, I was doing backflips when we were able to dump a first-round pick in order to yeah. get rid of Kemba. You know, yeah. I was like, this is a total win, you know, <laughs> take on old Hal, Hal Horford. I was just so glad to get off the Kemba contract. And, look, maybe it was prisoner of the moment of having just seen him play as bad as he did in the postseason. And, look, maybe that isn't Kemba. Maybe it's the guy we saw for most of the season was pretty good. You know, he wasn't terrible. Yeah. Uh, he was a good point guard. Um, but, you know, I mean – that the guy he was in the playoffs and the numbers the numbers match you know he averaged 12 points shot 30 percent from the field 16 percent from three i mean those numbers are putrid and you, yeah. you're trying to win playoff games and that's your starting point guard that's why i kind of laughed when you said he wasn't anywhere to alfred payton i was like i mean he is better in the sense that yes i mean alfred payton, you can't get much worse but the way he the way he played in the postseason you can't get much worse than what Kemba was giving. so that's the only reason why i I, it's going to be interesting to see because you know well, I think I, I think I one of the things about the, yeah I think one of the things about the, the the arrangement with the Knicks that makes me a little less concerned about Kemba falling off a cliff the way he did with the Celtics at the end of the at the at the beginning of the postseason is you know the Celtics it's funny that you say they didn't need him to do what he does and I agree with that but they did need his presence. Like, they needed yeah, him to especially be... Especially when Jalen Brown was hurt. Right, especially when J- Brown went down. You needed him to be Kemba Walker at that point, especially. Like, you, you need him to yeah. be an all-star caliber guard who can get 30 on a, any given night. And I think it's... I hope his, you know, his, you know he's... I know he's had the knee issues. We're hoping that he can overcome that. 100%. But I think... It, it, we just don't know if that's something he can do on a regular basis anymore. And when you're going up against, again, those just, like just those those lions over there in Brooklyn who are just going at you and, and, and you gotta guard those guys and then provide offense for where he was physically last season, that just we might not have it. been possible. And I think with we the Knicks when you got quickly period. and you got Rose, you got other guards who can spell him and do more yeah. of the stuff that won't allow him to have to play thirty, thirty five minutes a night and, and carry this team. You're asking him to be Kemba Walker, like the E Kemba Walker for twenty five minutes probably. And do I yeah. think he can do yeah, that and, a lot and of, stay relatively healthy? I think that's possible. I think it's, it's worth the risk. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it with after the Bucks when we talked about why did Drew Holiday play after the Bucks won the championship? Why did Drew Holiday play so well, you know, in the conference finals finals when he struggled, you know, against Brooklyn? You know, he had moments in Brooklyn, against Brooklyn where, you know, he just was like, you look lost. And right. you know, we talked about how going up against Kyrie and Harden and Durant is daunting. You know, for yeah. even star players, if you're not if you're not on their level, it, you know, mentally it can get to you a little bit. The I mean, mental Kimba, energy you have to expel expel defensively against guys that yeah. talented, and they're all on the same team. Yeah, it's just gonna yeah. crush your the, offense as the well. The feeling of having to go shot for shot, right. Kevin Durant can just pull up from you know from thirty five. <laughs> he makes it look so easy. easy. Yeah, you know, it, 
like that's what made what Jason Tatum did so special. Man. You know, those guys were playing well, and he was he was able to. He, was he wasn't afraid dog. of going shot. Yeah, he was still. But dog, exactly. Um, but I feel like yeah. I mean, the thing with Kemba, the great thing is at the price point because right. for the Celtics, he was putting up those numbers, making at thirty money, million so. a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you can't have that. You know, you gotta yeah. you, you can't have that from your from your thirty million dollar point guard. So for the Knicks, you know, he's not going to be making that kind of money. The question is just going to be, you still can't have the twelve points because you're relying on him to be that starting point guard. So, I mean, look, you know, I mean, they're going to load manage him. You have him and Rose, who you, you can load manage, and then you talk about where are the minutes going to be for quickly and Miles and Deuce McBride. You know, but they'll be there because those guys yeah. are going to play every night. You know, back to backs like those guys probably won't be playing. Um, you know, Quentin Grimes is going to get plenty of minutes, even though they have a deep roster. So. Honestly, you know, I, again, the moves, the Kemba move, I, I can't definitively say it's a bad move until I see whether or not Kemba is the Kemba that we saw in the playoffs or is it the Kemba we saw for most of his time in Boston. Um, the Randall extension is also a little suspect only because I personally, I don't know the business behind why they did it. Um, was there some communication, you know, between Leon Rose and Aaron Mintz about, you know, testing free agency and really looking at other options if they did not, you know, give him an extension because I feel like what we saw from Randall in the postseason was definitely, you know, again, now, I mean, I'm not a Knicks fan, but what, how would the Nick faithful have reacted to this, this extension, you know, a week after the playoffs, you know, like what would have been the reaction for, or a week after the series at any rather, mm-hmm. as opposed to now, you know, so that that's my question. Similar to the Kemba yeah. thing. The reason why I was so euphoric about the Kemba trade was in part because it had happened right after we had gotten bounced. So yeah. I was totally cool with moving on from Kemba the way he had looked. I feel like with the Nick Faithful, the, the a lot of the vitriol that we saw towards Randall in that postseason, um, you know, I mean, it seems to have went away. But I just... I, I have questions about a guy because at the end of the day, it's really it's three things. Either he either was a total fluke and he's actually he's more the guy we saw in the regular season. And that was just whatever a brain fart that he had in that series or the two negative aspects are, you know, his regular season was a fluke, which I don't think is the case because you can't put together that kind of year, you know, and it'd be fluky. But the other right. the more realistic scarier option is that he's not a guy who's going to be a great playoff player, you know, like he's more of a Ben Simmons type. And, mm. you know, it, that it's going to be one or the other in terms of him, you know, in terms of him being able to play well in the postseason or him not being able to play well in the postseason. But if he's a Ben Simmons type or, you know, we saw Giannis initially was having, you know, struggles in the postseason, um, that'll be the question. Is, yeah. is the guy worth being, being paid 30-something million dollars to struggle you know, when you need him to be your best player. So yeah, those are going to be the questions? Yeah, I mean, I think that those are fair questions. And I was someone who was skeptical of a Randall extension after the postseason. You know, we talked about it a bunch. I, mean, I was really, really turned off by his performance in the playoffs, despite what was an exceptional postseason. I mean, regular season, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's only from, 26 years old. I mean, sometimes you got to remind yourself. Right, and he's, he's still a pretty young player. and He had an exceptional regular season. Time. So, but the free, the postseason was scary. But the reason why I'm cooler on giving him a contract now than I was maybe a month ago is because 
again, I think I'm trying to read the tea leaves of what's going on. Sometimes, again, people are like saying things or saying, why didn't you do this? It's like they, they've clearly, they're playing, it's chess, not checkers. They're clearly doing things based on knowledge that they know. I feel like if they knew there was going to be free agents available next summer that want to be a Nick that uh, would come here if there was free agency, at least I mean, there was there was cap space, they would tell Randall, hey, we can't he sign you now. We got we got to wait, and we'll just let chips fall where they may. Clearly, they know that's not the case. And I don't think that's an yes. indictment on the team. Like, there aren't that many great free agents. It's a, it's and a I'll better be honest class. It's a better class than this year, but it's not, oh, it's not like, you know, the class where you had, you know, LeBron and Wade and those guys, or even the KD class from a couple of years ago. So, to me, they, they clearly saw the, 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 the landscape and said, okay, well, we have a star on our team. Um, and, and this deal we would give him will be much more friendlier than if he has a, another great season and then we have to pay him $200 million. On the flip side, I think they're... on the flip side, real quick, I also feel a little better about it because one of the things we saw was that Randall probably was asked to do way too much by the time we got to the playoffs, you know? He's asked to be the point forward and get his own shot. I mean, so much of Nick's offense was just, you know, Randall going one-on-five and, and getting a shot. His shot his shot making this year was so ridiculous and so great that it was a pretty good offensive option for most of the season. But as we saw in the postseason against a team with really good long athletes defensively on like the Hawks, that just wasn't going to cut it. Well, it's a lot harder to load up on, on a guy like Randall if you have Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier out there. I'm not saying those guys are superstars, but you just have to respect yeah. them. They're not Alfred Payton. You know, like they're, they're not from, uh, loading up on uh, Jason Tatum. <laughs> and look, Jason Tatum is, is, again, he's a he's another animal. That dude is special. We see what he's doing in, in the Olympics. But to me, that was that's the other part of this. I say, okay, the, the Knicks are a better team now. So just the, the reliance on Julius Randle to be so excellent for them to have any chance to win. Dwindle, yeah. you hope that, you know, if there was fatigue that had anything to do with why he didn't play well, he won't have that as much because throughout the regular season he'll have more help on the side. And that's to go – That's that doesn't even include the fact that you hope that the young guys on your roster are R.J. Barrett um, and Obi Toppin, uh, Emmanuel Quickly, you know, and, a, and, a, and a Mitchell Robinson, that those guys continue to improve. Those guys made strides throughout the season. Um, R.J. had a really good second season. If those guys need to improve, that also will lessen Randall's load. And to me, well, even if fact, his, his numbers come down a bit, it may not be something to panic about. It may be, no, that's good. He's actually staying much more fresher, and he'll be much more uh, ready to go next time in the postseason. You just got to hope that it wasn't a, I'm freezing the moment for the playoffs. And even if it was, you hope that maybe so, so you go through it once, you've never done that before, next time you'll be ready. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think when you talk about the Knicks and that, that front office identifying free agents, I think the thing that people don't – some of the people haven't picked up on is I don't feel like – it seems as if – I don't. I agree that they're not targeting the guys in next year's free agent class. I think they are still big game hunting. But I think – Yeah, definitely. They're, they're targeting doing it, Yeah, it's clearly through trade. I mean, I just think yeah, this is – Trade or through yeah. guys that aren't going to be free agents. For a long time. For two or three years at yeah. least. You know, I think about Donovan Mitchell – I think about Devin Booker, mm-hmm. guys that we've talked about for a long time. You know, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Stephen A has continued to invoke when he talks about Damian Lillard wanting to be a Nick. He keeps invoking names like Joel Embiid and Jason Tatum as guys that may want <laughs> may end up going to New York if Damian Lillard's there. Like, I think they have their eyes on a lot of different guys, but Definitely. those guys just are under contract and are going to be free agents next year. So what's what's the point of staying in? Right. You know, just you know, oh, going in hope. reverse. 
Yeah, again, for, that's the thing. I don't understand it. It's like let's get because the other thing is if you decide, okay, we're not gonna, um, we're not going to re-sign the guys that really helped you last year and played well. We're gonna sign worse players to one-year deals and hope that they play just as well. You run the risk of a lot of things. One, you run the risk of your team actually slipping in terms of how well they are, how good they are as a team. And if the Knicks aren't winning the way they were with those other guys, let's say, God forbid, they missed the playoffs, now maybe the the, 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 the destination isn't as attractive. Because, like, oh, well, that was just a fluke. That was a one-year thing. They're not re- the Knicks aren't really back, per se. So so that's uh, that's that's one, to me, big risk that you, 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 that you, would, that you would have um, to do that. Losing so, Bullock with the one, that was the one tough one. Yeah, I mean, if I had to do it over, I would have swap Bullock for Burks because I felt like Fournier... What number did Burks get? Because Bullock got a year. I think he got 3 and 30, I believe. It was around, so that, same, it was yeah. like, it was around the same money. Yeah, I, 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 now, I don't know I don't know if Burks... I don't Bullock. know. I don't think Bullock had any options or anything. No, nah, no. Nah, it's, it's three good years. Right. So, I would have... And that makes it tough because like, clearly they look they at that... Plan. Clearly that it's after two years... That they're tar- they they feel good about things and they don't want to go beyond that. So I don't know what happens after two years, but that's what they clearly they think. EJ, you but, sound like uh, he who remains in the finale of uh, <laughs> Loki. <laughs> we've entered the void. <laughs> we passed the void. So yeah, once we get to the two year point, we've, we've entered the void, and now I don't know what's going to happen. But to me, that was the only one because I just thought Fournier and Burks. You can make an argument are a little redundant. Like Fournier is to me a better version of Burks. Yeah, and I'm not sure if similar to the Lakers, like I don't know if they have anybody that can do exactly what Bullock does as one person. Quentin Grimes really is the replacement. He's the guy. Yeah, it's it's, it's Quentin Grimes is going to come in and be Reggie Bullock, and he might be. I mean, I, yeah. I love the kid. We'll I don't know if he's going to replace Bullock's veteran Consi- kind of moxie. Yeah, right. and consistency. That guy, man, the way he he represented. I mean, he was clearly he was Julius Randle's right hand man. You know, yeah. he represented New York. In quite a way, you know. I mean, yeah, and look, I'm not even an X fan. I was like, this guy Reggie Bullock, man. I like his energy. I like his toughness. Yeah. So, yeah, no yeah, doubt. That's a, that's a, that was a tough loss, but I think that they're hoping that by clearly improving the talent pool, that that will go. And I think Bullock will help Dallas. By the way, um, I think that they say clearly improving the talent pool will go a long will go a long way to kind of minimize that 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 loss. So. Uh, I, I feel like the Knicks did pretty decent. I don't understand a lot of the beefs, but there will always be beefs when it comes to what the Knicks do. Are you, am I, am I a hater for being very suspect and skeptical over the praise the Bulls are getting for this offseason? Like, is this, is this this obvious home run that I'm just missing on? Well, I only say that because I, and I think, what I will, what I will content, uh, you know, uh, what I will offer up, and what I will con- concede rather, is adding these guys based on some of the guys they have. I mean, they have a pretty decent talent pool already. When you start with Vucevic and you start with Levine, so I understand. Okay, adding two more guys who are starting caliber, one guy borderline All Star caliber player that looks that looks on paper really good. So I get that. I don't really think these pieces fit well. I understand it's the East. So they might be able to just out-talent a lot of these teams. But to me, I think Ball is kind of going to the, a similar situation he was in New Orleans, where the ball is not really, no pun intended, is gonna, not really going to be on his hands, and he's going to be asked to be more of a spot-up shooter, which he can do, but I don't think that's a guy that's worth four years, 80-something million dollars. 
And I don't and I think with DeRozan, he's become a pretty good passer. Um, and he's a pretty good playmaker. So I think that the idea that he's just his black hole is is not fair. But I think now this team, after adding Ball, who's shooting has been better, but I think we're always kind of gonna have a question mark about that. Still needed some spacing and DeRozan provides you zero. So I have some questions about the Bulls as a unit. Um, I also don't think their defense got better with this move. Ball's a good defender. I don't think of DeRozan as a stopper, per se. And defense was their their huge issue. And that, that did not get better. They're going to have to just out-offense teams. And the offense, to me, has pieces that are, in in a vacuum and individually, really good. But together, I have questions. So... Um, first of all, shout out to our boy, uh, Jared from Met the Criteria, who's a big, uh, yes, big Bulls fan. 100%. I'm sure he's <laughs> out in the UK. I'm sure he's, he's excited about these moves, but, um, to me, when I look at the, the Bulls off season, I think it's definitely, I mean, look, you're not, you're not wrong in the sense that, I mean, if people are calling us a grand slam, you know, I know people what are starting to invoke, uh, the Atlanta Hawks name, yeah. you know, in terms of the, could they be the next Atlanta Hawks? I mean, it's a little bit of an overreaction. Um, I've seen people say Levine's going to be think... Devin Booker next year, that 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 he's going to have this crazy run. I mean, you're laughing. Yeah, that, yeah. That's what I saw today. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. My hater for thinking that, no for thinking this is crazy. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not even talking about Levine's talent. Nothing yeah, to do with his talent. Great, They're talking about a guy who we think is a loser. Is all of a sudden gonna and and after the we we both thought the loser stuff from Booker was just absurd, but yeah, th- that the notion that this guy who was a quote unquote loser is not gonna have this crazy run and and prove everybody wrong and be this this monster in the playoffs. I, I mean, Brooklyn Nets still exist, people. <laughs> like, like, I'm, yeah, like, I mean, like, is, am I am I crazy? Like, again, am I, am I a hater for that? I know I'm a Knicks fan, but I'm very skeptical. Yeah, look, that's the aspect of really all of basketball in the super team era is that, you know, what's the value of making your team better if you're not good enough to beat the super team at the top, you know, and we've seen in weird years, like last year and, you know, with two, you know, three years ago when Toronto won it, you know, uh, where it's, you know, there are sometimes these weird years where the team at the top may deal with injuries and you want to be that next team and the Raptors, made moves a la getting Kawhi Leonard to put themselves in the position where they're the best team in the Eastern Conference um, and were the best team in the league when they were able to be Golden State. Uh, and Milwaukee and Atlanta made moves that positioned themselves, like getting Drew Holiday and getting Bogdan Bogdanovich and um, getting P.J. Tucker and Bobby Portis that were positioned themselves in a way in which if the Brooklyn Nets were to have injuries – these teams could find themselves in the conference finals or winning a championship. And so, um, or if Ben Simmons didn't want to, you know, put up layups, you know, you know, you may find yourself in the, in the conference finals, but uh, the, so if you're the Chicago Bulls, I mean, look again, do you look at that team and say, yeah, I mean, put them in the, put them against the Nets in a, in a seven game series. No, they're not gonna, they're not gonna beat the Brooklyn Nets if the Nets are healthy, but in a if if the playoffs are as weird as they were last year, where you don't know who's even out there for every team, the the Bulls have a puncher's shot with almost everybody else in the East. Uh, just from a again the depth, we'll see how they continue to fill out the roster. Um, but the 
you know, the two deep, you know, for lack of a better term, the, the starting five, the in the guys, you know, that are going to be the first guys coming off the bench. Um, I think I think DeRozan is essentially going to be the quarterback of this team. You know, mm-hmm. you mentioned he's better with the ball in his hands. Right. Uh, he doesn't provide them much spacing as an off-ball player. and He doesn't provide anybody much spacing as an off-ball player anymore. And so he's going to be a guy that's going to be best with the ball in his hands. Lonzo Ball has never been the best, you know, floor general, you know, in terms of being a guy who, uh, you know, is a high-volume, high-usage kind of point guard with the ball in his hands a lot. He plays a lot of times off-ball. Um, and, you know, Levine, we'll see how much Levine is handling the ball as well. So I think it's it's going to be a nice mix. Um I look. I agree that you know defensively there are some concerns. Levine's gonna have to lock in. He's played pretty good defense for Team USA, mm-hmm. uh, so he's gonna have to lock in defensively. But the athleticism, the athletic profile of them defensively suggests that um, they should be much. If better. these guys all lock up, you know, lock in in, in a postseason environment, uh, I have no doubt that Ball, Levine, DeRozan, and Pat Williams can. You know, this very switchable. It's, it's similar to almost like the the Milwaukee Bucks defensively. Yeah. You know, if if Vucevic can be your Brook Lopez, you know, like that. It's an interesting way of thinking the game. And you know, again, talent wise, like they're better than most of the teams in the East. Uh, and you know, they're not going to be they're not going to be the one or the two seed. But if you're the sixth best team in the East, that's a massive improvement from where they've been. And as we saw. With the Atlanta Hawks, who are what the five seed, you know, being a five or six seed sometimes gives you a puncher's chance, depending on who the teams above you are. So, um, I, 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 I mean, I like the moves if the goal is to make the playoffs, which the Bulls haven't done in a long time. So, um, yeah, and I, I think that they've positioned themselves definitely to, I mean, definitely be in a playing situation, um, and definitely give them a shot to be a top six team, no question. I guess. Again, I guess to me, I just have this question mark about this. I think people seem to have, think they have a really high ceiling. And, again, to me, I don't know if the pieces fit as well as maybe people think. Like, I, I, like DeRozan and Levine don't strike me as a pair that make that much sense. Because I think Levine also is shown that he needs to have the ball on his hands. And I agree. I think DeRozan should be the guy who handles the rock because he's the better passer of the two. And then, again, Ball comes off, he goes off Ball, which maybe that's his role as a, maybe that's who he is. That's what clearly New Orleans thought he was last year. But I think he's at his best and most valuable when he's pushing the rock and getting out in the open court. Maybe there'll be chances that he'll do that. But, I mean, DeRose is a half-court player at this point in his career. Vucevic is 100% a half-court player. The only guy that's a up-and-down guy in their starting lineup is, is Levine. And maybe, I guess, if Pat Williams starts. So, I mean, if Ball really is just he's playing defense and he's going to shoot, you know, spot-up jump shots, I'm getting, you, you're paying this guy $20 million. That, that's what that's he, the question. That's, that's what, is he worth it? And my question is, team, yeah, go ahead. They don't need his offensive value, you know, like in terms of like they're, 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 they're paying him to be, you know, almost a mini Drew Holiday, you know, like mm-hmm. defend, hit big shots, you know, timely buckets. We don't need you to be yeah, a 20 make, winning, make winning plays. Yeah, make winning plays. And the question with Lonzo is that he has all of the ability to do what Drew Holiday does. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't really lack, you know, anything that Drew Holiday. Well, he doesn't, have, he doesn't have Drew Holiday's offensive creation. Probably not 
to that level, but I mean, it, there are times where Drew Holiday's offense creation isn't, you know, he's not Kyrie. You know? No, but I mean, he's a he's a really good guard. Obviously. He's strong. He's you know he's physical. He can he can get to his spots. But yeah. Lonzo is Lonzo's a big guard. You know, I mean, he yeah. he he should be able to do all those things. But I think the thing that's you, lacking. You say with Lonzo, he should. I've never seen it. <laughs> this is five years in his career, or whatever. Four years. The, the thing that's lacking with Lonzo is his is is the mentality that Drew Holiday has, the toughness, the grit that he's had you know, really his entire career that Lonzo has continued to lack. And when you're asking him to be that guy, you know, they're going to, you know, that's going to be the question. And that's going to be the question with this Bulls team is what's their, what's their toughness level? What's their, what's their grit level? Cause they have a lot yeah. of guys, who, you know, again, like to play offense or, you know, aren't really rah, rah, you know, yeah. ball's not a rah, rah. You know, Levine's not a rah, rah guy. Neither is DeRozan. Neither is Pat Williams. Neither is Nick Vucevic, so that's going to be the. And neither is Kobe White, so that's going to be the. Yeah, and that's a. And that's awkward. it's funny. I had an off-air conversation with, with our dad, and I was talking about Lonzo for the Knicks and why I really wasn't keen on that. And you know, the whole thing about a lot of the question marks about Lonzo Ball's career is: is he a leader? Is he a leader? And in some ways, I think that's kind of overblown. Like, you want your point guard to clearly be able to, you know, lead the team on the court. But I don't know if you necessarily need him to be your leader per se. To me, it's more about who is he in your locker room. And sometimes teams need a guy like Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball is a laid-back guy. Um, yeah. He's a good good guy, good kid. Everybody who's yeah. played with him really likes him. And he seems like a really likable guy. Um, yeah. I, I could be wrong. I've never seen anybody describe him as a dog. I've never seen anybody describe him as a foxhole right. guy. doesn't mean he's not a guy who could certainly help your locker room. But right. for a team that may need that, like I thought the Knicks clearly – Continuing to, to need need guys like that. I didn't right. think it made like sense the Celtics, for them. The Bulls, they, to me, are a team that also clearly needs that, and that's not what they're getting with him. Um, so, again, I wonder about fit. Like, does, is he the guy that makes sense for this roster? Who is the guy that gets this team kind of going, and if they're kind of in a two-game slide, they lose some teams that they shouldn't? Right. I, I, I don't know who that. I don't know who that is on this roster. Chris Paul in Phoenix. You can say what you want about him. You know what? What was his arm? court impact in terms of was he the the mvp of the team or was it booker or Aiden or whatever but in the locker room he was that guy and book had uh, yeah, certainly has an edge to him as well but chris paul is the guy that brings that edge and that experience and that that toughness so you know maybe it's DeRozan. maybe DeRozan's seen a lot you know yeah, DeRozan's seen a lot. He's, he's won a lot in the nba so it, it could be him i know he's also a more reserved guy but he could be one of those guys that's just a great leader by example the guy's a hard worker yeah. Um, he's just a really good basketball player. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I, I have some questions. The Bulls will certainly be improved. Um, do I think that they become, you know, the next Suns or the next Hawks, like people are saying? I want to see it before I uh, believe it. I also have questions about uh, what is the value of DeRozan or Vucevic as a third option? One of them is the third option. And with Vucevic especially, if it's him, well, he's not that good a defender. Is he is his offensive value so yeah, good? Turning him into Brook Lopez. Yeah, is do? his offense that good that his defense won't matter as a third option? You know, you can get away with him in Orlando because the guy's offense is so good. He's your first option, so you're gonna live with his defense. Even as your second option, you'll live with his defense. As your third, Mark DeRozan should average six plus assists next year. He should average the talents know, there around him. No more than twenty points, ideally, and six plus assists. Right, so, and if Levine's getting his 27-28, then how much is, how many shots is Vucevic getting? And if we're not running the offense through I mean, him, how valuable is he? Uh, 
the other three guys he's on the a, court. I mean, again, DeRozan's going to score, but like Ball and I don't envision Pat Williams and Ball stealing any shots from Nick Vucevic. No, uh, Kobe true. will get his off the bench, but right. you know they've got two guys that are non you know non players offensively. They're just guys who are going to space the floor and do whatever they need to do. So you have look this you know the Brooklyn Nets have shown you that they playing with three guys out there. You can you can find a way. You know if sometimes there is three balls on the court that we figured <laughs> out that people didn't realize. Um, any other last news where we quickly talk about the, the draft and the summer release stuff? I mean, uh, you know, obviously Chris Paul went back. We expected that. Uh, I, I didn't I wasn't sure if he'd get all the four years, but shout out to Robert Sarver for giving them the bread. Uh, we talked about the Sixers signing Drummond, which is just kind of hilarious given. Love them beat reaction. Yeah. Given a drunk, given a, but down Maury's philosophy as a person and B Drew and B's previous beefs. With uh, with what's the name? Though it, people are laughing about that move, but I mean, he's clearly better than Dwight Howard. So, oh yeah, that, I mean, look, I mean, it's not a as a Celtics fan, it's not a move that I was happy about. You know? Yeah, I mean, he's he's like if he's here to just do Dwight Howard's role, I mean, he's he should be able to do that better than Howard did. So, yeah. I, you can't. It's just kind of crazy that a player, the caliber of Drummond, is is signing for like a vet minimum. Like this is a guy who five years ago would have demanded. $150 million. No injuries. No injuries. Nothing wrong with him. Incredible production. Excellent rebounder. Is he an NFL running back? I mean, you know, his <laughs> like his kind of player has now become like the 30-year-old running back. It don't matter how many rebounds you average. <laughs> Is he Sean Alexander? It doesn't matter how many how many, how many many rebounds you average and things like that. They don't care about that anymore. If, if you don't provide a specific skill set as a center, you're just not worth any bread. So it's unfortunate for him because he's still a decent player, but man, it's a fall from grace. But I, I think the Sixers lucked out. I also thought bringing back Danny Green was important and they, they were able to do that. So um, I did like that move as well. Um, but let's, let's, uh, let's, let, before we get out, man, let's get, let's get into the, some of this draft stuff in, in, in the summer league. So NBA draft was last week. Um, some of these summer leagues in uh, Salt Lake and Sacramento have already kicked off. Week away, Which I didn't even realize. I, I, one day, I just turned on the TV and I saw, I saw guys in Utah playing. I was like, wow, they're showing old summer league games. But then I looked at the court and it was like the new Jazz yeah. color scheme. I was like, I think this is live. <laughs> These are the real Christmas games, man. Right? I'm like, wow, the summer league started. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, that yeah. really snuck up on me. I thought they were only doing Vegas. I forgot that they were also doing Utah and Sacramento. Uh, Grizzlies were playing. Dyer Williams wasn't out there because the, their trade doesn't become official until next week, which the NBA's got to change that rule. I mean, they've, they've it, got to just overhaul it, everything regarding draft trade. Everything yeah. about it is just wrong. The the stuff during draft night is already confusing enough. Yeah. But if you want to say, you know, whatever, you know, figure it out yourself, that's fine. But when it's affecting guys' is, you know, quote unquote onboarding to a team, when it's affecting their ability <laughs> to get into the program, that is that. Unacceptable. Has, that does harm, you know, yeah, like that creates a disadvantage, an unnecessary disadvantage for a player. And if I'm the players association, I'm saying we have to fix something about this. I Definitely. shouldn't have my guy, you know, I don't know, be, be able to sign some sort of waiver where guys can play regardless, even if the deal isn't finalized. I don't know what yeah, you have to yeah. do, but figure something out so that guys don't have to wait. And, and like, it's also bad for the league. I mean, at the end of the day, we want to see these young kids who just got drafted that you've been talking about for 
you know, I know it's not like the NFL draft, it's not months, but, you know, weeks leading up to the draft, and then the week after the draft, we've been talking about these guys, and then they're not playing because yeah. you got to fill out the you don't, the paperwork's not ready for training. Yeah, one of these days, it's going to really mess them up because you're going to have guys that, number one, two picks. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have a Kate Cunningham type guy that can't play because, oh, they traded the number one pick, and but, yeah. like, they can't finalize it yet. And, that, again, that's... Yeah. That's you know that's 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 just playing yourself. Remember that you know? Andrew Wiggins fumbling stuff your own bag. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just playing for the Cavs when we knew he was going to Minnesota. That was that was that was terrible. Yeah. So, <laughs> but so yeah, they got they got figured it out. But but man, I know you texted me a bit, so I gotta bring it just onto the podcast. Are you are you are you already conceding on Donovan Mitchell? I mean, to me, Davion Mitchell. You just... You're already calling him Donovan, right? You're getting flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already calling him Donovan Mitchell because that's how he's looking at something. Are you are you conceding that? I'll, well, first th- of all, it, that I'm a little kid, disappointed. It looked like he's wearing 45, right? What is he wearing? 15? I was yeah, like, where's the 45? I know. I like I like that he had that like really oddball number yeah, of guards. He was really it going was, for it. It wasn't even like 50, home. like an even number. It was like 45. Like I've never yeah. seen a guard wear. It was like with Pistol Pete back in the day, ran yeah. 44. Besides Donovan. You know, <laughs> Donovan. Yeah, yeah, I know. True. You know, it, it created a kind of a weird sort of. Maybe it's, maybe it's the D Mitchell thing. I don't know. Something yeah, exactly. Like but yeah, no, nah, Davion. You know, you know, Davion's my guy. He was six guy, six on my board. Um, yeah, I, lo- I, know. I just love I everything about him, and he's really impressed so far. He was not in my top five point guards, right? So, um, which was crazy know, to me. <laughs> just completely, completely ludicrous. Yeah, no, yeah, look, man, I, I got to eat the crow a little bit, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, obviously, we have to preface all these statements by it's it's only summer league, you know. I'm going to say that for all the guys that, I, that I'm that i not huge fans of, and for the guys that I am, I'm going to be like, look, I told you. <laughs> but, look, Davion, you know, I, if if you asked me, you know, going into the, going into the draft, I would have told you that. I'm not – I love what he gives you, but I'm not a believer in the shot. I'm not a believer in – you know the speed is there, but like I don't know if he's gonna be able to just blow by guys like he did in in, in college. Um, but what he's done in the summer league is be able to hit shots and blow by and guys. Blow like, by yeah. guys, exactly. So I can't, how am I supposed to? What am I supposed to tell you? I, I know the defense is gonna be there. I'm a complete de- believer in the defense, and if he's got the quickness and the athleticism that he's flashed in in summer league, if that translates to the NBA game, I mean, the one thing I'll say about Sacramento, I didn't love the pick, no doubt. Because, again, I, we blow on my board, and, you know, they already have two other point guards. So, didn't love the pick, but they're going to be the fastest team in the league. You oh, know, having – and I, we know Monty McNair wants his teams to play with that kind of speed, given he comes from Houston, and, again, you draft a Halliburton, keep Fox, and now you draft Mitchell. Clearly, they're the, uh, they're the theme, you know, with the way the Kings are building their roster, but – yeah, no doubt. I mean, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't say anything negative about the guy. You know, he's a, yeah. he's a gym rat. And what I love about him is the, when you read the extra material on his background and just, uh, I believe there was a story in the athletic breaking down, like, you know, a lot of his pre-draft process and, you know, the work that he, he, he does, you know, scat through when he talks about how, yeah, you know, he talks about during the draft that, you know, he, he brought down, you know, two of Baylor's, you know, graduate assistants to like New York to work, to work out with him, you know, yeah. during the draft, you know, during the, you know, during the weekend in, in New York. So like he's a, that guy works extremely hard. So anybody that works that hard, is not going to fail on some level. So yeah, no doubt. But yeah, I mean, you know, again, I, I love everything about Davion. The character is super high. The work ethic is super high. Just 
really not too much I can say uh, against him, and, and I can't say that I'm all that surprised by his resurgence um, in the summer league. I, I know I, I'm, I, I think we all, we both kind of, we get, I think we both get that at this point, I think a, a philosophy of, of McNair and some of these other teams is like you just can't have enough really great guards we can get the ball and push and get into the paint so that to me is clearly what the kings feel right now but i think some of it also is their best trade ship right now is the aaron fox and i'm not saying they're trying to get him out of there i I don't think that's the case but i think they realize based on the guys that were on their board and what they value getting a guy as just as nice as the mitchell where they got him knowing that their best trade ship is a point guard it gives them insurance that whenever they got to make a move, they feel that it makes sense to make a move on Fox. If that does happen, you have guards already in the coffers available. You don't have to take back a point guard that you don't really want. Um, you don't have to uh, feel like, well, we can't give up, you know, Mitchell, I mean, excuse me, uh, Fox, because we'll be, you know, the, the most important position in the NBA will be, you know, at ground zero. I mean, you'll, you'll be like, totally fine if you have Mitchell like a and Halbert. Think about the Philadelphia Eagles. Ooh, you know, let's see the football. <laughs> but yeah. think about the Philadelphia Eagles. When they drafted Jalen Hurts, you know, the city of Philadelphia lost their minds. Yeah. They had Carson Wentz, uh, and I believe they had Nick Foles. But even if they didn't have Nick Foles, they had Carson Wentz. Yeah. And so... There was this uh, – Nick Foles was not on the team. Not yeah, yeah, but, yeah, he was not on the team. <laughs> but they had Carson Wentz, and so it was like, why would you draft a quarterback in the second round when you have Jay, when you have Carson Wentz? And we saw what happened last year. Jalen Hurts ends up being the guy. Uh, Wentz struggles. Jalen Hurts gets the job. And they're able to trade Wentz for draft assets. They don't even know if they like Jalen Hurts, but – they can move Jalen Hurts or Deshaun Watson if if need be, and the assets they got from Carson Wentz right. for Deshaun Watson. So now you have capital. They're not left with no quarterback because had they not drafted Jalen Hurts and Wentz had the year he had, and they would have been stuck with yeah. no quarterback. Right. And they would exactly. have had to use their first round pick last year, or this year, on a quarterback that would have you know expended one more asset that they don't that they now still have, or is now Devontae Smith, who's a receiver for if they get. So point being. You can never have too much talent. Like I said with Leon Rose, it's chess, not checkers. <laughs> you know, people are just thinking about the move today and not what could happen if three moves down the line. And again, the Eagles thought of that through when they did the thing with Hurts. Uh, I think that that's what the Kings are doing. I get it, and and, and it's hard for me to really hate the pick because I love Davion, but it's just you know, I, I think to me that was clearly with the thought process of look, this can't, this might not be Fox's long term home. So let's make sure we're still strong at the position we want to be the strongest at, even when we move on from an all-star caliber point guard. The other team that we've seen in Summer League, man, that obviously had a very interesting draft was the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. And, you know, we only saw Jonathan Kuminga and Moses Moody play one game, but they both uh, really flashed a lot of ability in that one game. And I'll tell you what, man, that draft in general – is, you know, like there was, Bob Myers told the story of how when they got to like pick four or five, uh, Draymond Green texted him and all he said was Kuminga. And when it got to pick nine, he said, 
Draymond Green texted him. All he said was moody. And <laughs> when they drafted both guys, Draymond Green texted him, thumbs up. Thumbs up. <laughs> like, that's it. You know, it was a very easy draft. Like, yeah. in the, the fact that Draymond was able to identify that early on in the night, going into it, yeah, the two guys we need to get, Moody, Kuminga. And, they, I mean, it was a complete, complete win. You know, getting a guy like, because the debate, I feel like, in the Warriors' war, war room on that seventh pick probably was, you know, I mean, do we go with the, the, the high-level talent of Kuminga or do we go with the guy who fits like Moses Moody and fits what we do, fits what we need? Yeah. And, you know, that debate is a strong one. But obviously Kuminga, you know, I have him, I had him fourth on my board mm-hmm. and, you know, I really believe in his talent level. I, that's too much to pass up at the seventh pick in the draft. Whereas, you know, Moses Moody, I also really liked had him as my number two shooting guard in this draft. Mm-hmm. To be able to get that guy at 14 is, I mean, right, that's a yeah. steal when that's the other guy you probably were considering at seven. And Wolves yeah. pretty much, you yeah. know, laid that scenario out there. So, and you saw in the summer league, in that first game at least, uh, the flashes, obviously the comparison to Jalen Brown is very evident when it comes to Jonathan yeah. in terms yeah. of just the raw athleticism and but coordination you know like athletic coordination and you know bounce and again scoring knack like there's a lot of similarities to 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 Rudy Gay who I comped him to to Jalen Brown like he's he's a he's gonna be a really good player if he can just figure out the shooting you know and playing off the ball and then I don't know it may not it may not click next year like it didn't click for Wiseman but long term, I mean, it's a quite the, quite the asset. And it's like you said. I mean, when we talked about it during the draft, when we were texting back and forth, I mean, just the idea that a team with like the Warriors that have a supernova like Stephen Curry, um, we know that Clay is coming off an injury. We hope he can get back healthy and be the star he was. We know Draymond, obviously Olympian, future Hall of Famer. To have a team of that cat with, with those Playing. caliber, those caliber of superstars, and then also have your young asset base include Wiseman, Moody, and Kuminga. It's like a it's baseball. Just, team. It's like ridiculous. It's, it's like it's like it's like the Dodgers. Like the Dodgers, yeah. you know, somehow have superstar players on the main roster, and then <laughs> the best prospects <laughs> in, yeah. in the minor leagues. So that whatever they need to get the next star, they can just get rid of two other guys that people think are going to be future superstars to get a Max Scherzer or whoever that is, you know? And that's, yeah. to me, how the Warriors set themselves Or they up. can home grow that guy like Corey Seager and Bellinger. And, and, yeah, Bellinger. Or, and, uh, and, uh, and Bueller, you know? like, like yeah. so, so that's, man, the Warriors, that's thought they had a really good night. It seems like they may have a really good summer and season. Steph Curry saw them boys play and was like, yo, where's that $200 million? <laughs> what, what, <laughs> give me, You can't yeah. give me that contract fast enough. Yeah. He's like, whether well, them guys on the team or we trading for Bradley Beal, this is gonna be the place to be. We're gonna be all right very soon. Yeah, yeah. What team are you most excited to see play in Vegas? Or what? what I mean, players? outside the Knicks, obviously. Um, because okay. I'm a Knicks fan. Uh, yeah. Team I'm most excited to see. I gotta be the Rockets, man. The Rockets. I mean, come on. That that squad. <laughs> you know, the the ball is life. All stars. <laughs> <laughs> definitely the the team. Definitely the team of Hoopers. You know, yeah, no man. no basketball players on the Rockets summer league team. <laughs> it's yeah, definitely, right. It's definitely all Hoopers, quote unquote. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the Rockets, man. They got. I mean, they got a lot of exciting players. You know, obviously Jalen Green, uh, 
Alperin Schengen was a guy who was in my top 10 of my big board. They got yeah. him later in the first round. You got Josh Christopher. Um, I mean, they're, they're, you know, and of course, uh, uh, you know, we won't, of course, get to see. I don't, will we get to see, uh, 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 what's the name? Usman? Goomba? I don't know. Yeah. And that hasn't been, I mean, we've, I mean, he, like, he, he just stopped, gonna play for he the just day. stopped playing. That's, yeah, yeah. I know there's some questions. You know, about so some some, some of people, guys yeah, some people have asked Wolf, but those will get cut. But that's another story. Um, yeah, I mean that's true. Vidoza was put on the Knicks roster. He's of course, for those who don't know, uh, Luca Vidoza was playing for Argentina. He was a guy they signed at the end of last season. The Knicks, and he he was on the summer league roster. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, if, if Gruba is ready to play, I mean, then then that, that I just add to the fact that yes, that's definitely. <laughs> A team I want to yeah. see. The Rockets are in a complete uh, reboot, but I think it's a really exciting reboot. They have a lot of guys that have potential, guys who I think can have really good rookie years. So they, to me, immediately jump off the board. I thought they had a pretty good night in general, and and you know they're going to have one of the better probably summer league teams in this in this joint. Yeah, especially if Kevin Porter's playing. I don't think he will, but and I, and nobody that scored fifty points in an NBA game should ever play in a summer league. That's that's yeah, my man. that's my opinion. Someone's got to wake Grant Williams up. He he was talking about yeah you know I, you know I these deep playoff runs and you know I want to work on my game and rest and people are like <laughs> Grant Williams, Romeo Langford's playing and Carson Edwards is playing. Where, where's Grant Williams? Yeah, Kevin, Kevin Knox is Kevin Knox was was going to play. I know and hope he's okay. I know he's in the player uh, safety protocols. Yeah, yeah so. he was in the. Uh, but he he was in his fourth year. He's like yeah I yeah, want to go get J.R. Smith, Nate Robinson mindset. <laughs> out. But Nate uh, Robinson so, is definitely the GOAT Summer League player. That man was playing <laughs> in the Summer League in, like, his, his second contract. Yeah, he might – he honestly <laughs> might be the all-time leading scorer. He, yeah. He, he, I, I, if it's not him, I'd be shocked. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> let me say, if it's not him, I'd be like, oh, who, who played Going more Summer League games than Nate Robinson? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Rock is on my team. Who, who, who are you looking at? Uh, in terms of another team, you know, obviously, you know, people are going to jump to the, the number one pick uh, with, with – yeah. Um, with Cade in yeah. Detroit, uh, Luca Garza, uh, Isaiah, Isaiah Liver. They got, they have a nice, they got a nice team that'll be interesting and they'll match up with the Rockets, which, which will be fun. Um, I think the Atlanta Hawks are going to be fun, man. Mm-hmm. You know, watching Jalen Johnson, watching, uh, um, Sharif Cooper, Sharif. you know, and, you know, we'll see if they run an offense similar to what they have with Trey Young. But the team that I, I want to mention is the Orlando Magic because, okay. first of all, you know, we may see the first five-point guard lineup oh my uh, God. NBA history. Is RJ Hampton coming out this, playing the stretch four? <laughs> yeah, man. Because <laughs> you want to talk about a team that's, that's, uh, that's, that's prioritized the point guard position. I mean, my God. Yeah, and, and, and I, to me, this draft, well, the theme was – just you know, positionless basketball, man. Yeah. Because there was there was no rhyme or reason for you know roster makeup. You know, it was it was all about it was all about talent, best player available. Yeah. And I've always you know me, I've always been the guy that's like best player available is a load of baloney. These teams <laughs> think about where these guys are gonna actually fit on their team and not where they fitted, well not where they fit in college, um, but or where they project. But in this this draft, I think a lot of teams yeah. worried about. You know, just take just the getting best somebody out. that can that can go out there and, and play. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, the Jalen Suggs, you know, I mean, he's a he's to me, they're my he's their best prospect, you know, on the team. And so it'll be interesting to see how they how they manage, you know, 
I mean, how many point guards get drafted in the top five and aren't given the ball from day one? You know, that's a rare that's a rare thing. But how many point guards are drafted in the top five on a team that has three other young point guards? You know, that's also a rare thing as well. So I don't know which is going to play itself out. But um, what is great is that they have three of those guys are six five. You know, so yeah. they'll be able to play multiple positions and Cole. While he's a little undersized, he is good playing off the ball. So he may not even need the ball. He can be a little shooting guard at times. So, mm-hmm. you know, and they're all young players. A lot of those guys know each other. Fultz is the guy I'm worried about because they paid him. He's coming off an injury, and now his role has just been, like, completely thrown out of whack, you know? Yeah. And now he's going to have to get used to playing off the ball, which, you know, you know, we've seen, you know, Marco Fultz in the NBA this, has this, been yeah, this, this most shot. successful with the ball in his hand. Yeah, because you know? the shot can come and go. And it, yeah, he's, got, college, he's made, he's made great problem. strides to get it back to what it was, but it's still a ways to go, clearly. Yeah, you know, and he's been most effective, you know, being able to have the ball in his hands and create and get to the basket. Get shots that. that he's comfortable with as opposed to being yeah, told, exactly. stand in the corner and take the shot that maybe you're not comfortable with. Yeah, it 100%. becomes a little bit more like what he had to deal with in Philly. So we'll see how they manage that. But the summer league will be fascinating because you have three guys. It's almost going to be like, it's going to be a little bit of a, you know, what they call crabs in a barrel, you know, mindset of like, these yeah. guys are going to be competing against each other, you right. know, to kind of, you know, this is like training camp starting in the summer league. I've yeah. never seen this before. This, yeah. is a, this is a position battle. It's an NBA <laughs> position battle. Guys trying to play, or right, I'm going to be the starting point guard. So, I mean, this will be, this will be fascinating to watch. Uh, well, look, yeah. if there's any, we've, we've thrown out an idea in our podcast that the NFL should absolutely have the equivalent of a summer league. Um, 100%. In, in their thing. It doesn't have to be with pads. Just have them play scrimmages, so to speak. Seven on seven. seven, on seven uh, has been our proposal. The, the Orlando Magic are like the perfect reason why this is why the NFL should do that. Because those teams that have, a, you know, they draft two quarterbacks, something like that, like seeing those yeah. guys play in, a summer, in, a, in, a, in an NFL, you know, spring league or something like that, like the drama we'd have about seeing that play out, that's pretty much what we're going to see in the NBA Summer League with these young guards. So uh, yeah. uh, that, that, is, that if there's any proposal, that would be it. San Antonio, man. Where were you on the Josh Primo pick, EJ? Because you're, you're a fan I mean, of Primo, I mean, Primo, I think, was like 11 or 10th on my shooting guard board. So, oh, I thought you were going to your board. I was like, no, oh, uh, that was a good pick. Yeah, no, not, not on my total <laughs> board. And I thought Primo, to me, was an early second. <laughs> to me, early Primo was an early second round grade to me. I, I didn't understand drafting him that high. I understood liking him because he's super young. Um, he's a really good shooter. When I watched the tape, he kind of reminded me of of uh, Austin Rivers, who's a good NBA player. Um, Austin Rivers went like thirteen, and a lot of people say, "Yeah, that probably wasn't the right pick where he went." Like, you know, like to me, like again, if he would have went late first round, early second round, you said, "Man, that would have been a really good pick." I think to me with Primo, I think that's probably his upside. To me, I didn't really understand it, but I think the Spurs at this point are in a position where they feel like their player development is so good. And I think it goes even beyond just the guy's talent level at where he's at right now. It's who are you as a person? Who are you coachable, and what can we turn you into? And I, I think that's why they 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 really clearly took but, a, a, fashion, a a fancy on this guy that no one else did, or at least not any not as my I problem know of. with the pick is not even the player uh, from a from a grade standpoint. The grade is is you know again I agree I didn't have him I didn't have a, a first round grade on him certainly. Um, you know, there were some guys that didn't get drafted that I like far better than Josh Primo. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't know. Take for that what you will. But 
what I will say is that I, teams have the right to draft whoever they want in terms of where they evaluate them as players. But from a team building perspective, it goes back to what we've talked about is like a guy like Davion Mitchell, like you liked the player, the fit was a little awkward, but at least you could speak to, look, this guy, you know, it's excellent value. If you're getting a guy right. who's top 10 in the draft and we're, I mean, we're drafting nine, but some people had him as a fifth or sixth best player in the draft. We're able to right. get that guy. I don't really care if we have other point guards. He'll be on the court regardless. Josh Primo, you're drafting at a premium, you know, drafting him at, at 12 when you probably could have traded down five spots, got a, some sort of asset. You're like, right. that's what I want with some initiative in terms of finding, unless you had and Intel. It sounded like the Knicks were so desperate to get Duarte. Like, it's just, that it didn't make sense to me why you didn't just take draft. 19 and 21. I, I, I don't understand that. Um, they may have. Unless, that, unless that's a lie. Unless that they weren't going to yeah. give up those first two picks. Yeah, um, that's and maybe possible. they had intel that someone else was going to draft him. And if that's the case, then I, I always say, look, if that's the case, then you got to stay in the pocket. Pick the guy. If you think the guy's going to be, you better be right. But if right. You, think yeah. you know, but if you think the guy's going to be good, you got to stay in the pocket. I think that's the word with Zaire Williams is that, you know, uh, Zach Kleiman said that someone was going to draft him yeah. had we not moved up. So we had to get up. We had to move up if we wanted to get him. Right. Um, so... My my problem is that you talk about the Spurs' fantastic player development, mm-hmm. but they've drafted like twenty shooting guards in the last four years. Um, Walker and they're all still uh, on the roster. Vass- I mean, yeah. Lonnie Walker, Vassell, yeah. just just drafted Devin Vassell. They drafted. I mean, Keldon Johnson's another wing who's playing well, in the, and you know, is playing in Tokyo. Yeah. Um, you know, you have uh, Derek White who they drafted, another right. solid player, but you know. You know, Dejounte Murray. And then, the point, and then just, they just signed, they re-signed Bryn Forbes. Forbes. Bryn Forbes is yes, not back they just, the brought, they just brought back Bryn Forbes. So there's a weird logjam at the wing spot in San Antonio. And I mean, look, I don't think any. You're not drafting Josh Primo anywhere to play him. You know, from day one, right. he's a project. But it's it's a weird approach to say we're gonna we're gonna take the Golden State approach and just say there's a farm system pick when San Antonio doesn't have. They don't have they're not, Steph they're not a good. They're not a good team. Let's they're not a good team honest. now. They kind of need the help. Yeah, and maybe they're just again, unless you're just mailing it in and saying, "Yeah, we're going to take a farm I mean, system." I, I think pick that's what they're doing. State. I think I think they they let Rosen walk. They let Rudy. Want to be in the chat? Ungren, Paolo Bancaro sweepstakes and now go right yeah. ahead. Yeah, and I think in that's two years, you know, but then for, the question is, are San Antonio? Yeah, yeah, we'll see the, what the deal is with Bates because we, as we know, he's still not. That's what I was saying. Yeah, I say also for two years because oh I'm yeah, just, yeah, I'm, this team's gonna yeah. be good for two years. Like clearly, they're not gonna <laughs> yeah, be good for a while. Exactly, yeah, but uh, you know that so, that'll be the that'll be the question. But then we also have to talk about we could have said that the last four years about San Antonio, and they've always been too good to be bad. You know, and Pop's too good of a coach for his team to be the worst team in the league. So hopefully, they embrace the tank, a la Sam Presti. Shout out Josh Giddy. <laughs> we'll have to see, man. But man, I thought this was a, a dope podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it, not just on our usual audio uh, channels, but also obviously our YouTube channel. Of course, if you enjoyed this podcast, you can catch our normal podcast on New Generation Podcast Network. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. Of course, the people listening to the podcast, you want to catch us on YouTube. Make sure you check us out, New Generation Media on YouTube. Also catch us on social media. Uh, we're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast, and Facebook, New Generation Media. You can find us individually on social media as well. 
Kendall is on Twitter, Ken. I'm on Twitter, EG underscore Stewart, and Instagram, Action EJ. Thank you guys so much for checking this out. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.